0: Welcome to the Scientific American Podcast Science Talk, posted on October 10th, 2012. I'm Steve Mursky.
1: Well, I, I'm thinking that this is going to be a very, very hectic day. Uh, I plan to go to the office. Uh, I was going to get a haircut, but uh, I'm afraid. <laughs> which, which, if you could see me, uh, you would see uh, is quite a necessity, but I'm afraid that'll probably have to be postponed. Uh, it'll be a, a pretty crazy day at my office.
0: That's Robert Lefkowitz, who received word very early this morning Eastern Time that he and his former postdoctoral fellow Brian Kobilka had won the Nobel Prize for Chemistry. More from Lefkowitz in a bit. His phone connection was a bit dodgy, but you can make out what he was saying. Stefan Normark of the Nobel Committee for Chemistry made the public announcement. You'll also hear committee members Sven Ladin and Sarah Snagerup-Linse. Here's Normark. This year's prize deals with cells and sensibility. The Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences has decided to award the 2012 Nobel Prize in Chemistry to Professor Robert J. Lefkowitz at Howard Hughes Medical Institute and Duke University Medical Center, Durham, North Carolina, USA, and Professor Brian K. Kobilka, at Stanford University, School of Medicine, Stanford, California, USA. And the Academy Citation runs for studies of G-protein-coupled receptors. Professor Sven Ledin will now give us a short summary in English. Please, Sven.
2: Thank you, Stefan. Boom! Do you remember the last time you got really scared? The dryness of the mouth, the heart that skips a beat. These are signs that your body is getting ready for flight or fight. Adrenaline surges through the system and it affects metabolism, circulation, Respiration, muscle tonus and vision. It leads to an orchestrated response from the billions of individual cells that make up our bodies. It was known for a long time that adrenaline does not enter into the cells it affects, but an increase in the adrenaline levels on the outside of the cell leads to a response at the inside. Um, a receptive substance, a receptor, was correctly assumed to be involved, but the nature of this receptor and how it acted remained a mystery for a long time. Now, thanks to the work of Robert Levkovitz and Brian Kobilka, awarded this year's Nobel Prize in Chemistry, we know what this receptor looks like in the finest molecular detail. We also know that it's just one member of a huge family of receptors, the G-protein-coupled receptors, or the GPCRs. We know the mechanism by which GPCRs function, and we know how that function is regulated. Now, the communication between our cells is essential not only in times of fear, but in everyday life. And unbalance in this communication leads to unhealth. Now, a large proportion some say 50% of all pharmaceuticals used today, rely on action targeting GPCRs. So knowing what they look like and how they function will provide us with the tools that can help us to make better drugs with fewer side effects.
0: Thank you for these words, Professor Ledeen. And now, Professor Snugrep-Linse, you will give a more detailed presentation of this year's prize.
3: Thank you. G-protein coupled receptors sit in the membrane. They tell the inside of the cell what's going on on the outside. Thanks to the studies by Robert Lefkowicz and Brian Kubilka, we know how these receptors are built, how they work, and how they are regulated. There's a whole family of receptors that are built in a very similar way. They all have seven helices, spiral-like structures that go through the membrane. Therefore, they are also called seven transmembrane receptors, 7TM. In our body circulates a number of neurotransmitters and hormones. Some of the names you may recognize serotonin, histamine, adrenaline, etc. and these action via G-protein coupled receptors. The molecule adrenaline binds to at least nine different G-protein coupled receptors in our bodies and cause different responses in different organs. So when the heart and lungs, muscles are activated at the same time, our digestion is shut down. The man-made molecule beta blocker, it's similar to adrenaline yet different enough that it only binds to a subset of the adrenaline receptors. Therefore, it only affects certain organs. Indeed, the G-protein coupled receptors are the targets for about half of all pharmaceutical drugs made today. And these are used in treatment of conditions like high blood pressure, neuropsychiatric disorders, Parkinson's disease, migraine, gastric disorders, You name it. Think of a disease and there is probably a medicine there affecting a G-protein coupled receptor. So the receptor sits in the membrane and when a signal comes in the form of increased adrenaline concentration the task for this receptor is now to tell the inside of the cell that this has happened. But it doesn't do so by letting adrenaline in. Instead the receptor binds, each receptor binds one molecule of adrenaline in a pocket on the outside region. And this leads to a change in the shape of the receptor so that it opens up a site in the inside where it can bind another protein. For example, a G protein. The receptor is a little bit like a bundle of rods. When the receptor is not activated, the rods are fairly parallel to one another and on the inside of the cell, there's really nothing to interact with. When a small molecule binds at the outside, rather small changes in the structure propagate into a much larger change on the inside, where the G protein can bind. This is also the reason another small molecule can elicit very different changes on the inside, which then signals through other proteins on the inside and other signaling pathways. The complex is the active signaling unit. It is sometimes called the ternary complex because three things are needed to come together. The hormone, the receptor, and the G protein. This has been known since the middle of the 1980s thanks to studies using, for example, radioactive hormones, cloning work. Today, we know what this complex looks like in near atomic detail is the result of three decades of dedicated biochemical work at the bench. The methods derived to be able to obtain this structure by crystallography have now also been used and are being currently used to make crystals of a large number of drug-important receptors to derive their structures. This is very important knowledge in development of drugs to obtain medications with fewer side effects we have about 1,000 different G-protein-coupled receptors in our body to be able to sense a huge number of different hormones, neurotransmitters, and other signals. (coughs) In our body, adrenaline can interact with nine different receptors and cause very different responses in different locations. G-protein-coupled receptors are also found on the outside of our body in the sensory cells, in our nose, on our tongue, in our eyes, And this allows us to sense our environment, to smell, to taste, and see. And I really need a cup of coffee. Thank you. you Thank you. (laughs) Thanks to the G-protein coupled receptors, I can now really enjoy this cup of coffee. The smell, the aroma, the beautiful serving, neurotransmitters, hormones... Many G-protein-coupled receptors are active now. And thanks to the studies by Robert Lefkowitz and Brian Kubilka, I can also enjoy the excitement of knowing exactly, in finest molecular detail, what's going on in my body right now when many signals are passed over my cell membranes. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Professor Snugrup-Lindsay. We will now see if we can get a hold of one of the two laureates. Uh, do we have Professor Levkovitz there with us on the phone?
1: Yes, I am, <clears throat> I am on the phone.
0: Congre- congratulations. And uh, I tell you that we are sitting in the session hall here in Stockholm at the Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences, and we have around 80, 90 persons from Swedish and international press, and I know that they are eager to to pose some questions to you. Are you ready to to Take on these questions, Professor Levkovic. I am. am. Okay, so please go ahead.
4: Good morning, Professor. Um, My name is Victoria Düring. I'm from the Swedish television. We are live on air right now. Uh, First, congratulations. How are you feeling right now?
1: I'm feeling uh, very, very excited.
4: Could you tell us, how how did you get this message?
1: Well, I was fast asleep and uh, the phone rang. I, I, I did not hear it. I must share with you that I wear uh, earplugs to sleep uh, and so uh, my wife uh, gave me an elbow, Fall uh, <laughs> for you, uh, and uh, there it was, a, a total shock and surprise, uh, as uh, I'm sure many before me have, uh, have experienced.
4: Okay. Have you any plans for today?
1: Uh, well, I, I'm thinking that this is going to be a very, very hectic day. Uh, I plan to go to the office. Uh, I was going to get a haircut, but uh, I'm <laughs> which, which, if you could see me, uh, you would see, uh, is quite a necessity. But I'm afraid that'll probably have to be postponed. Uh, it'll be a, a pretty crazy day at my office. We have
0: a question there. Uh, I have a question about these receptors. We were told not just now that they are the targets of about half of the, the pharmaceuticals that the drug industry make. What about them make them so useful in, in medicine?
1: Well, I think there are several things that make receptors so useful in medicine. The first is that, as you probably heard, there are very large of these receptors, and they, uh, they serve as the gateway to the cells for many, many different uh, neurotransmitters and hormones in our body. Uh, as a result, they are crucially positioned to regulate almost every known physiological process in humans. Uh, and of course, as physicians, what we need to do in cases of disease is to manipulate uh, the activity of these uh, normal substances, substances like adrenaline, you've serotonin, dopamine. Uh, and so, I think it's the diversity. Of, uh, uh, of substances in our body that work through this mechanism uh, that makes them so crucially positioned uh, to be able to uh, respond to drugs of various types.
0: We have a question there.
1: Hi, and congratulations, uh, Professor Lefkowitz. Uh, my name is Louise, I'm from the Associated Press. I'm gonna ask you a very, very typical question uh, that we always get um, when the prices are announced. Did you expect to win this prize and, or, or not? Just tell me a little bit about if you've been anticipating it or not. Thank hey, that, you. That, that's a wonderful question. Let me, let me start with uh, the short term and the long term. In terms of the short term, uh, I was just commenting a few minutes ago about the fact that uh, if, if the committee has any questions about the, the, the extent to which their secrecy, Works. Let me say it does. Uh, it did not have a single rumor or inclination or, uh, clue of any kind, uh, that this, so, uh, I can assure you I did not go to sleep last night, uh, waiting for this call. Uh, so that's point one. For the longer term, sure, I think every scientist dreams in a little recess of his mind that maybe someday, uh, one would get a call like that, but it's more fantasy than anything else. Uh So, uh, uh, did I expect to get it? No. Uh, did I even have any inkling that it was coming? I would have to say no.
0: Following the press conference, Nobel Committee member Sara snogorup spoke briefly to an unidentified reporter.
4: Sara snogorup you are a member of the Nobel Committee in Chemistry. Uh, Brian Kobelka was actually a graduate student of Robert Lefkowitz, as I understand. Um, Some time ago, was it in the 80s?
3: Yeah, as far as I know, he was a postdoctoral fellow with Robert Lefkowitz, and it was actually the two of them together that cloned the gene and sequenced the beta-adrenergic receptor and found the homology with rhodopsin.
4: They had actually... Uh, as they mentioned a uh, real eureka
3: moment in their life. Yeah it was known at the time that there were several receptors and it was known that they all signal on the inside of the cell using G proteins that has been awarded before with a Nobel Prize um, but they didn't know that the receptors or that all the different receptors were looking the same and when they got the amino acid sequence of the beta adrenergic receptors and saw the homology with brudoxin, they immediately understood that also the receptors in the membrane are built in the same way and function in the same way. And that was a, that was a real surprise in the wake moment. And even if the
4: receptors were known before, nobody realized that they're just the same.
3: No, and it may be difficult to understand that today, when we are so familiar with structural and functional homologies, but we have to remember this was back in the 1980s, and not so many protein families were discovered in this way.
4: So this is what was the hard part of it.
3: Yeah, the hard part, the, the, to obtain this sequence was a very, was the result of many years, almost a decade's hard work to extract the receptors and get enough material to be able to sequence it.
4: So this is kind of laboratory work?
3: Yes. Many of the discoveries behind this prize are hard laboratory works over many, many years, not giving up even if it takes two or three decades.
4: This is also a little puzzling before, because the pharmaceutical drugs existed before the receptors were known uh, to chemists or to medical doctors uh, as beta blockers, for example. They have been around for much longer time than the science of the receptors uh, has been developed.
3: How did they know to develop the drug? Uh, they probably didn't know. Uh, many drugs that we use are discovered by serendipity trial and error. Uh, so the, the difference for the future will be that now when we know what these receptors look like, we know about this aspect of bias signaling that different similar ligands can cause very different biochemical effects. That will now lead to the possibility to make new drugs with fewer side effects.
4: I also wonder, when we listen to this wonderful press conference and listen to a prize conference for Nobel Prize in Medicine. How do you define the borders between chemistry and medical research?
3: I think in in modern science, the borders have been uh, not a waste, but the borders are not as sharp anymore. And both chemistry and medicine are molecular subjects today. Medicine is no longer just giving something to a patient and observing what happens. Also, medicine is a molecular field. And many great discoveries are really at the interface between the traditional subjects.
4: We were talking about the the research uh, in the 80s when uh, Brian Kobilka was a postdoc at Robert Lefkowitz's laboratory. But the research is uh, still going
3: on. Uh, what, What is the question today? Lefkowitz today is working a lot with this aspect of bias signaling the properties of receptors that make them able to respond to more than one kind of substance and giving different responses inside the cell. And Brian Kubilka? Yeah. Brian Kubilka? I don't know exactly, because the, last, the, the molecular structure, it came out as late as September 2011, uh, and exactly what he's doing at the moment, I don't know, but after that structure came out... Actually, in the same number of nature, he also studied the complex with another method, a my exchange coupled to mass spectrometry, to confirm that although he used so many tricks to get the receptor to crystallise in the active state, it still looks like the real active state that is not manipulated. So it's still ongoing science. Yes, definitely. I think this is just the beginning of a huge field.